0: ceremonies are a way for us to bring the ancient practices back into our lives to carve out time and space to have those rites of passage and to return home to ourselves to reunify and reconnect with our authentic self
1: hello and welcome to it's a journey podcast how are you healing today your host Stephanie Naidu welcomes guests from different parts of the globe with professional expertise in health and holistic wellness. Holistic means physical, emotional, social and spiritual well-being. So what do all of our guests have in common? It's their dedication to help us with our healing journey and personal development. Let's dive into this new episode with our special guest, and explore the answers in order to continue our personal journey's exploration towards healing and
2: self-love. Cristina Michel-Rios is a ceremonialist, intuitive guide and subtle energy worker with Native American and Latin American ethnic roots. It is at a young age that Cristina's highly intuitive mother recognized that her daughter was gifted as well. An attribute that Christina further developed throughout the years. Using intuition and incorporating her own heritage with ancient Greek healing modalities and ancient indigenous rituals is a cornerstone of Christina's practice. She is a certified sound meditation, intuitive healing, theta healing, yoga nidra, and breathwork facilitator. Ricky, an Australian bush flower essences practitioner. An avid supporter of energy healing and vibrational medicine, she maintains the belief that the body can heal itself with the right circumstances, utilizing a holistic wellness-based model that encompasses aligning the layers of mind, body, and spirit. She aims to empower everyone to be their own healer. In this 14th episode, I will be talking to Christina about ceremonies. Our topic today is the spiritual and the secret of ceremonies. Hello, Christina. It's such a pleasure to have you on my podcast. It's a journey, welcome. Hi, Stephanie. Thank you so much for having me. Um, So let's get started. Um, Today, we're gonna talk about uh, the spiritual and the secret of ceremonies um and my first question for you i would like to learn a little bit about uh, learn about yourself and your journey how you became a ceremonialist and intuitive guide
0: oh man what a great question uh, i feel like my entire life has been a journey that's preparing me for where i am at now and what i'm doing for work and You know, I never would have imagined that this would be my life's work. And that's the thing when we surrender to what could be and start to become open to how life wants to present itself to us and begin to detach from what is not aligned anymore internally and letting go of what no longer resonates and start to follow those inner nudges of the soul, the whispers, the intuition and loosen our grip. We we start to trust and allow, and in that space, I believe we start to work with a larger organizing force, which some call the divine source, universe, God, and that's just a greater organizing energy at play, and it's one that's going to lead us somewhere far better. And then we allow life to expand for us to open, and in ways that we could never even fathom. So what's planned for us, you know, our destiny there are levels to it. The braver we are, the more we trust, the higher the level of our destiny we're able to tap into and actualize. And what is planned for us, our destiny is far greater than anything we ever could plan for ourselves or imagine. And so I always say the divine source God is the greatest architect and planner. And then when we look back and reflect on where we came from to where we're at, now all the dots eventually do connect in retrospect and that's where i'm at now in my life and i still feel like in a way i'm at the beginning of my journey i'm excited to see where it all leads me and i'm just open to being molded like a ball of clay and transforming and i'm sure that a few years from now what i'm doing will look completely different and you know that's what really propels me this adventure and mystery that lies ahead so in terms of being an intuitive guide and ceremonialist even my you know professional career before i started this work professionally at the end of 2018 before that i was in corporate for over 15 years but that career was a stepping stone laddering up to this work and there's many parallels actually between what i did in corporate and this work which a lot of people find very surprising
3: mm-hmm. so in
0: corporate I built brands and I helped them tell their story. I was a creative director, a copywriter, a magazine editor. I wrote um, a column in a style section of the International New York Times. I was a UX content designer for apps, you name it. I had a full 360 degree experience with um, brand building and with optimization and growth. So, in essence, when that's distilled down, I was helping brands find the right opportunity for them to to discover their niche, right? To find their voice, solving problems for them and helping them make an impact and get their story out in the world. And it's interesting because I think that I actually do the same thing now with private clients for my ceremonies. I help my private clients reflect on their story, their journey, Mm -hmm. drill down to the whys, figure out the takeaways, the lessons and the learnings. And then I help them identify like where their challenges lie and where the opportunity lies to find their purpose, to get out of their own way, to remember who they are and why they came to this planet, and to discover their niche, their voice, to create that impact, and to tell their story to others. So it all boils down to transformation, growth, and evolution, and um, it's it's so interesting. Because as time passes, the more and more similarities I see between my, corp- my corporate career and what I'm doing now, it's just that this one that I'm doing now feels a lot more balanced and integrated and peaceful. And um, I'm very proud of where, what I've accomplished by making this transition because not everyone was supportive of it. Mm. It took a little while but I was following what I knew to be true, regardless of what anyone else thought or believed. And it required a huge leap of faith.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you so much for this uh, introduction. So one thing you you do through your work is um, you organize um, ceremonies, okay? So can you tell me um, what is a ceremony and what is special about it?
0: Okay, so that word ceremony, Mm -hmm. it has a lot of different meanings, especially in our modern Western world, right?
3: Yes. And
0: the term ceremony is with the modern Western world is very different from the way that I'm utilizing it. Mm -hmm. I use the term ceremony and ceremonialist because of my ancestry and my heritage, which is Native American and Indigenous Latin American. My work is very much in honor of my ancestors and an homage to them. I'm very connected to them. They're a huge part of my why, which increases more and more with time. And because, you know, this work that I do, it lives in my blood, in my DNA. And I'm just simply remembering that ancestral wisdom and knowledge and I'm activating it. They're ancestral gifts. I'm just reclaiming them. So that's part of the reason I use the word ceremony. So ceremony and, you know, the indigenous cultures it's part of when the physical and the spiritual are brought together to be married and to work as a team. The body and the spirit must heal together. They must be unified for us to be whole and feel balanced. And so there's so many types of ceremonies and in indigenous cultures and tribes that help us connect with, you know, spirit, the creator, the divine, the universe. And At the end of the day, they're seeking to strengthen a person's connection to both the physical and spiritual world, to be more embodied, to be more integrated, to promote healing, clarity, to mark significant moments in life, like life's uh, rites of passage, for example, or for remembrance or gratitude, for example. There's ceremonies for, you know, when obviously for birth, but for also naming either a baby or naming an adult. You know, giving them a, a title like the, you know the wise sage, the the medicine man or woman um, for death, for all types of loss and grief, for transformation, for marriage, for um, stepping into adulthood, coming into your own, for vision quests, for the rain, for the harvest, for the new moon, for the full moon, to honor emotions, to hold space, to cleanse energy. There are so many different types of ceremonies that exist, and we've really lost touch with this ceremonial essence in our modern lives yes we have weddings yes we have funerals but and yes we have birthday parties for example but there's so many more very important pivotal milestones that we no longer honor we've lost that that magic we really have and so for me the ceremonies are a way for us to bring the ancient practices back into our lives to carve out time and space to have those rites of passage and to return home to ourselves, to reunify and reconnect with our authentic self. So our authentic self is who we were as a soul, who we were at birth before the world, society, our families imposed conditions on us and altered, and perhaps even had us disconnect or forget certain essences of our authentic self. So it's, A ceremony is bringing us back to who our soul is innately, our core being, and having us move from a sense of feeling fragmented to realizing that we're whole and knowing that we were always whole to begin with. We're full, we're complete, we're not broken. So for me, the ceremonies are a way for us to remember that we are our own healer and you have everything you need inside you already yes you might turn to different facilitators or tools or modalities but you ultimately are the one healing yourself the onus is on you the tools and the guides are just there to help usher you along your journey but you're the one climbing the mountain
2: yeah thank you and i know this is um important for you um you know like when you talk about healing i mean most of us in the western world we know that if we are sick okay, we just go to the doctor. The doctor is going to give us, you know, drugs, medicine. And then we know we go back home until, you know, hopefully we feel better. But you are saying that um, the body can heal itself. Or we are our own healer. Like how? How is that possible?
0: Well, this is a very great question. Honestly, it's it's a deep one too. Um, First, I think it's important to establish that we're holistic beings, right? We're comprised much more than just of a biological mass. We're layers of mind, body, and spirit working together. And some people question, oh, are we spirit though? Yes, absolutely. That's even been proven by science. They've proven that the the soul, the spirit weighs 21 grams, right? Mm -hmm. And so those layers of mind, body, spirit are interconnected and they're working together as a team. So, if one of those layers is imbalanced, there's going to be a domino effect throughout the other layers. So, dis ease when there's a lack of ease, a lack of harmony within the body, what happens is physical symptoms present themselves. And I believe, and there's many schools of thought that uh, agree with me on this, that physical symptoms have an underlying emotional or spiritual root cause to them, and symptoms will get louder and louder Mm -hmm. as time progresses. They might start out as a a subtle whisper, but essentially the body is this alarm system and it will gradually create more obvious physical symptoms to grab our attention because our body is innately wise. So symptoms are not something for us to mask or to um, silence, which is how the modern world has treated them. You have a headache, you take a a all, right? so we see the headache actually as the problem but actually the headache is a signal mm. right if you have a fire alarm going off in your house yes you want to shut the fire alarm off but you also want to make sure there's not a fire mm. right you want to understand why did the fire alarm go off you want to inspect but what we're doing in modern life is we're just like let's unplug the fire alarm and pull out the the cable and not inspect
3: yeah. <laughs> right yeah so
0: that headache exists, let's say, for a, a deeper rooted reason. For example, maybe you have a lot of stress. Maybe you're overthinking. Maybe you're exhausted. Maybe you're dehydrated. Maybe you're lacking proper nutrition. Maybe you're not grounded in your body. Maybe your posture needs to be corrected. And it's your spine and your neck, they're out of alignment. And maybe you need to go and, and get some sort of, you know, physiotherapy, for example. Right. So the understanding that once we get to the deeper rooted issue of why that physical symptom exists, we can, in many cases, alleviate or lessen the physical symptoms, right? So secondly, I want to establish that everything is energy, which is an Einsteinian theory. You know, everything is moving. Everything is particles in motion. Under a microscope, all cells are vibrating because we're vibrational beings. When we have any sort of disharmony or dis-ease present itself, it's due to also a deeper rooted vibrational energetic disharmony. So when we're able to heal ourselves, we reclaim and recultivate vibrational harmony throughout the mind, the body, and the spirit holistically, which is where the fields of energy healing and vibrational medicine come into play. And there's significant findings and also case studies that show how chronically ill patients suffering from cancer for example or parkinson's mm-hmm. can heal themselves with the assistance of facilitators of course and they can locate where the disharmony is located in the mind body and spirit and work to restore it because they start to take responsibility for understanding that this is occurring for a reason it's there's a deeper rooted purpose behind it and they start to also cultivate a sense of responsibility which is a tough one to swallow and so let's say you know, nutrition, environment, mindset, these all play a huge factor in our our well-being, in mind, body, and spirit. And this is actually the indigenous philosophy of life, how they've always lived since ancient times. And what I believe is, is happening in modern day is we're starting to gradually, gradually return to these ancient practices, which many times are indigenous, because We're realizing that what's happened with modern medicine is helpful to a degree, but it's not getting us fully over the finish line, unfortunately. There's more, there's something missing, right? And I see that increasingly with my clients. Um, And it's interesting because modern diagnostic tools now and technical equipment are finally able to start proving these theories that are ancient and indigenous in essence. So the diagnostic capability has finally caught up with the ancient indigenous wisdom. So we can now prove what the indigenous knew all along. And, you know, that will only continue to develop and become more apparent as time goes on. It's a a part of returning to our ancient roots and ancient future. And there's so many books written about this. Mm -hmm. And the authors are able to break down the science far better than I can. Mm-hmm. But I would recommend for anyone watching this that's interested sure. in really digging in deeper
3: yeah. is um,
0: Bruce Lipton, The Biology of Belief. Joe Dispenza, who's incredible. You can you know listen to podcasts, you can watch him on YouTube, you can read his books. You're the placebo or Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. And then one of my favorite textbooks is Vibrational Medicine by Richard Gerber. Um, it's incredible. It breaks down the science in a very Very clear way. And it's, I think it's about 800 pages, the book. And it goes through all types of modalities, all types of case studies for the last 20 or 30 years minimum. But, um, you know, it's incredible how powerful our mind really is. And our human beliefs, they will perceive negative or positive environments that they're in. And that helps a person determine which genes need to be activated for, for any given situation they're presented with. So you can think of genes like a program on a computer, Mm -hmm. and then the programs are divided into two types. The first type, it relates to, to growth or reproduction, evolution, and the second type relates to protection. It's very simple. So when a cell is going to encounter nutrients and stability, the growth genes are activated and then utilized. And then when a cell encounters toxins or toxicity, the protection genes are activated and then they're used. So when a human is encountering love and, you know, support, growth genes are activated. And when a human encounters fear Mm -hmm. and stress, protection genes are activated. So the negative perception is activating those protection genes. And then the body actually is programmed to switch to a fight or flight response. So when we're stressed, when we're worried, when we're anxious, when the sympathetic nervous system is activated, we're in this fight or flight mode. And then the blood flow is directed away from the vital organs to the limbs, to the arms, the legs, because we're activating survival mode. The limbs are used for running or for fighting, for literally protecting your life. And you can think of evolution in our days as cavemen and women. Mm. If we're trying to outrun a tiger or a lion, for example, The legs are going to be more important in that scenario than let's say reproduction or immunity or our nervous system. So you can understand that there's a different priority needed, right? So stress, anxiety, depression, worry, this actually impairs the immune system and the nervous system. And it can lead to many serious diseases or chronic illnesses developing. If you're going through enough of that, regularly enough and exposed to it routinely, and you're not working to overcome that stress and depression, and you're not working and creating, you know, tools and support systems in your life to help you re-regulate yourself, right? So when you're perceiving that negative environment, the immune system is neglected, as are the vital organs, which actually can also make us less intelligent, less clear-minded, and less um, emotionally stable, right? So the part of the brain Um, that's relevant to reflexes for example is prioritizing that fight or flight mode over the part of that's relevant to like memory and um, functions that are going to regulate our mood so but when we're when we're in the opposite when we're perceiving a loving environment and we feel safe Mm -hmm. the body's activating growth genes and nurtures the body it restores our systems and our functions and there's countless studies on this right Mm -hmm. like in eastern european there's been orphanages where children were given lots of nutrients, tons of nutrients, everything to survive right, and thrive, apparently, except they were receiving little to no love, little to no uh, physical touch and affection and words of encouragement. And they were actually found to have significantly stunted growth and development in terms of their learning, their height, their weight, and even their their brain mass and how the brain and the head develop. And there was a high incidence of autism in these children in these orphanages, too. So, in these specific cases, the autism became this function, or like, let's say, a symptom of the protection gene being activated, Mm. which is interesting. So, our beliefs, yeah, so our, our beliefs are acting as a filter between the real environment and our biology. So, we actually, when we change our environment, when we change our belief systems, when we learn to regulate our emotions we can actually change our biology change our physical
2: health if that makes sense Mm, that's fascinating yeah fascinating um (laughs) you know so you were talking about um because there is like with with my experience with you there is like the future and the past and when I did my uh, Newman ceremony with you, I was, uh, you know, um, um, part of the participants. Um, I, I found it very fasc- fascinating that you tap into your ancestry, you know? And, and so even though like we are in a world when technology is like putting us forward, forward, forward all the time, you are, you are tapping into something in the past. So how can you connect with both, or sometimes do you have to disconnect from one to give the, a little more to the other? And um, I found really interesting that you are, I, I feel that you are able to balance that, living in a modern world with this linked strongly to uh, your ancestors. So can you can you tell me um, a little bit more about like, how can we connect, how we do the same, please?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, it's such a beautiful, um... Compliment and reflection that I receive so gratefully. Um, you know, I think that in our modern lives, we're very much focused. If, if you look at a tree, let's mm-hmm. say, right, in our modern lives, we're focused on the leaf and the flower. But how can we have a blossoming flower or a healthy leaf if the branch isn't well and we don't have a connection with the branch or with the trunk? or even better yet, the root. If the root is rotten and severed and there's a disconnection from that root, how can that tree thrive and blossom Mm. and grow into its greatest expression? It can't, it's not possible. And so that analogy, I feel our, our ancestral practices, our ancestral rituals, who our ancestors were, where we come from is that root. It's so important. And we've really lost connection with our roots. And we might say, oh, no, I know my roots. I know that I'm, you know, uh, French or I know that I'm Japanese. Yeah, but go a little bit deeper. That's not the root. That might be the branch, right?
3: Mm, mm. And
0: um, our ancestors have a plethora of wisdom and gifts that Mm. we're able to tap into. It's literally stored in our DNA. As the field of epigenetics proves and we're able to tap into that and activate that and it's kind of like a superpower once we start to work with that and -hmm. develop it um so yes we need the the modern medicine we need the modern technology but not at the expense of disconnection and the severing of our roots we need both to work together as a team and so for me my ancestors were um, indigenous latin and native american
3: mm-hmm.
0: i have a I'm, i have a mixed ancestry but i'm going to focus just on them for right now mm-hmm. the indigenous side mm-hmm. so as i've progressed further in my own healing journey and you know my work as a facilitator i found myself being more and more drawn to my ancestors and this isn't from a cognitive place it's from like an, an inner calling and pull of my soul mm-hmm. and i connect with them through through prayer through ritual through meditation through dreams um and they come to me I, I call to them
2: mm-hmm. and
0: as time progresses i am just learned I, I've just been drawn to learn more about them yeah. and to discover what they did and how they did it and you know due to colonization many of the indigenous cultures were actually forced to abandon all of their practices tools and rituals and it wasn't a choice it was a means of survival
3: yeah
0: so I've been I've just increasingly felt drawn to revive those tools in my own personal practice and in my work with clients. And if you think about it, like before the country lines were drawn on a map, like let's put this line between France and Germany and between Spain and Italy. Before that, if you go deeper, there's a time when we were all tribes. Mm. That's what we were drawn to. Like, and we were just slapped with these different country labels, but we come from tribes. And we have tribal practices, which some might define as primitive. They're very far from that, you know. And as I was saying before, modern science is proving that these practices and rituals the indigenous use for thousands of years are effective after all. That's also a huge part of Joe Dispenza's work. And many of the, you know, like leading uh, even um, quantum science and quantum physicians now are discovering that. And these practices, they help us cultivate a connection with self, with our ancestry, with the earth, with the divine. So for me, like my question to myself and to clients and to friends is, who were you before this concept of colonization existed as a paradigm for this construct, before the homogeny was created? Even this concept of whiteness, no one's actually white. That's a fake term that was created by colonizers to create a sense of like unification and superiority, but actually no one is. We're all from different tribes. We all have you know, unique expressions and ancestry. So what tribe do you originate from? What were your ancestral ways? What did they you know, practice in ceremony? What did they value? What were their belief systems? What did they eat? How did they live? How did they commune with the earth, with spirit, with one another? So... I think it's important to start to reflect on that. And it might not be something you can Google, but it also might be something you can Google. It might be something that you can pray about, you can meditate on, you might journal on it and things might just start to come to you. Different you know, visual scenes, you might hear things, you might feel things, you might have an intuitive inner knowing, which is opening up your, your clairs, right? Their audience, their sentence, sentience, clairvoyance, for example. Which we all have access to, and it's really incredible. You might actually practice a ritual, and it might feel familiar to you, but you've never done it before. Mm. And it might be that that's actually the same or similar to an ancestral ritual. And that's what happened to me. That's what happened to me. And like throughout, like let's say, learning to become a sound meditation facilitator, it was so second nature to me. It was like I had done it a million times before. And that's happened with a lot of the different modalities that I've practiced, which is why I started to kind of scratch beneath the surface and, and figure out, okay, why is that? And where is this coming from? This is very mm. interesting. And what I eventually learned in time is that all of the tools and modalities that I resonate the most with are actually what my ancestors practiced.
3: Wow. And I get
0: chills. I yeah. get chills thinking about it. But um, I just, I feel like this this connection with our our DNA and our ancestry, we're we're being called to come back to the roots Mm. and we're being called to reclaim all of the aspects of ourselves and to move from fragmentation to wholeness in that same way. Our ancestors are asking to be acknowledged, to be heard, to be celebrated, and your roots are asking to be reclaimed. And I really hope that we are all able to start to remember the tribes we originated from our ancestors that sacrificed so much for us and you know that we're able to start to open to and you know develop that ancestral wisdom because like i said before it is truly a superpower you know Mm
3: -hmm. yes
0: and we can all access this information i'm no one special at all um i was raised outside my ancestral lands and disconnected from my roots for so long, I actually had shame over um, my indigenous roots and, and being mm-hmm. Latina for a long time due to the societies and the cultures I was raised in, unfortunately, so that was a whole healing journey in itself. But this is something that we are meant to work through and connect with. And you know, even if you don't necessarily know the specifics of who your ancestors were, maybe you were adopted even, that's a huge one yeah. that I've seen repeatedly. Your ancestors very much know who you are and are waiting to be acknowledged and waiting for you to invite them to connect and they're they're guiding us every single step of the way, kind of like a spirit guide.
2: Mm, that's very interesting, um, Christina. Can you tell me how, like how do you guide your your clients to to go back to the the ritual that you know they had linked to their ancestors? How do you do this work? If you could give me just um, a few examples without being like, of course, um, too specific, you don't want any names or anything, but how do you do that?
0: So first, I usually will guide them through a type of breath work and then a meditation so they can start to set that intention. So setting the intention is the first part and being open. And from there, I have different rituals I use with sacred smoke to cleanse, to mm-hmm. call in the you know divine source creator for 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 protection and also to help guide the the ceremony because that work can't be done without the divine on our side right and then from there in the meditation i will either have them visualize or i'll have them you know speak in their mind to their ancestors or call to them and i leave a lot of space because it's individual to each person it's very much tailor made each person where they like if someone's adopted and has no clue what their ancestry is versus if someone can you know trace their family tree back many many generations which is what i see with with uh, middle eastern clients which is fascinating they have these beautiful scrolls and they can go back sometimes thousands of years that's a little bit easier sometimes not always Mm -hmm. but for them to start to uh, visualize and speak to their ancestors and from there, I'll have them come out of the meditation and journal what came to them. But it's it's not um, a, a one time thing. It's not you know this instant gratification, quick fix. It's a journey and a process that that happens in layers and requires patience and surrender and letting go. Because if you hold too tightly and grip too much, you can actually prevent it from coming in.
2: Yeah, entirely. Yeah,
0: and sometimes my clients maybe they won't have anything come to them in the meditation Mm -hmm. or maybe it's something very small, but maybe later on when they're away from me, they'll have something come to them in dreams Mm -hmm. or they'll have something come to them in journaling where they just are like, I I couldn't stop writing. It was like all this information came streaming to me. So I like to leave it open and have them release expectations and, you know, surrender to however it's going to present itself and when it will present itself. Maybe it will happen in a day. Maybe it will happen in a year. We don't know. Right, um, and but I I use all of the different tools and modalities that have worked for me mm-hmm. in my ancestral healing journey for my clients. So the sacred smoke, the different indigenous rituals that are earth based, um, sound meditation, the breath work with aromatherapy, sometimes also flower essences. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's also chanting, you know, mantra or singing songs, and maybe sometimes it's it's movement or tapping on the body. It's intuitively guided and led. Um, so I don't even know what I'm gonna do with the client many times until they're in front of me. Mm. And and I understand what we're working with and what's needed in that moment. Um, but I hope that answered your question.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's I found it very um interesting and beautiful at the same time. I mean, you know, it's like very mysterious, but it's also beautiful. And um and um I, I I kind of like understand when it doesn't come the first time because like, for example, I'm a very logical person. And sometimes for me, <laughs> I need to have, like, it's a little bit more difficult to have like the intuition, you know, like the, okay, let's the awareness. I'm getting better, but it was a complete journey for me. So sometimes, yeah, it takes time. Absolutely. But I'm sure it's like, there are so many treasures behind that. Um, yeah, yeah.
0: And there's a, there's a whole rewiring of the brain that has to mm. happen if you think about it, because and I mean, we're very much left brain in society. We're all about like analysis and cognition mm. and action and doing, but mm. in order to have these experiences, we need to really activate the right side of the brain and we need them to have, to come into coherence with one another. We need both for sure. Mm. But with these um, ceremonies we really need to allow the, tu- the intuition, which is in the right brain hemisphere, we need to allow the intuition to drive the car. And then we can allow the left brain to still be in the car, but it's going to be in the passenger seat or even in the back seat. Not forever, but for that moment. And that in itself is a journey that takes time for people to. And that's also why I like to ground my sessions and the work I do with science to explain how it works and why it works that way. I love a skeptic. I started off as a skeptic, so I completely get it. But then once you experience it for yourself, Mm. the skepticism goes out the window. You might start to tap into curiosity. Oh my God, how did that work? Why did that work? Mm. That's interesting. But that's a different approach to saying, "Mm, this doesn't make sense. I Mm. I don't believe it. I don't agree with it. Because if you go in with a skepticism and you're not able to be open to it, to what's to come you can block anything from happening whatsoever sure. you might yeah. just leave more relaxed you're definitely you're definitely going to be more relaxed in a minimum but you're not allowing that um experience to be you know fully experienced to it's the greatest possibility for you right mm. so yeah it could take a couple of sessions or, or months for someone to work through that mm. and especially if they're you know pessimistic
2: yeah okay 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 um, i'm gonna have I'm going to ask a question. Okay, I don't know. Um I wonder does it help to do like the DNA testing and things like that to have more information of yes it helps. Oh, okay, okay, okay. 100%.
0: Okay.
2: But you know my sister's actually
0: she's a scientist and she was telling me that those DNA tests mm-hmm. are not always very accurate. Oh. They might be in, you know, the future, let's say. But um they they're not Spot on always. So you, but you can use it as like a guide, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay, you okay. want it because I view it as well, first of all, as time progresses and you keep updating, like your, you check online with your like 23andMe profile, you'll notice the fractions start to change or maybe becoming more specific. And even with some of these, you know, DNA testing websites, it'll tell you what diseases you're more prone to, for example, mm, mm, mm. which is interesting, right? and it, it keeps getting more and more refined with time. So what I would say is a good place to start if someone wanted to do this on their own, do one of the DNA tests, and you find out, let's say, you thought your whole life that you were German, and suddenly you find out that you're actually, um, I don't know, you're, you're part, uh, maybe italian you're part yeah, roman well, yeah
2: exactly. and, or, or ancient East, or greek East european or more yeah. Or yes
0: yeah and you're like mm. whoa i never knew that let's say you find out oh my god i'm 15 percent greek mm. start exploring and reading about ancient greece mm. and the tools that you start start learning about sound meditation and sound healing in ancient greece the pythagorean theorems start reading about the frequencies and the vibrations that they were using to heal the body in ancient greece And start to play around with sound. Start to play around with frequency and vibration. Start to um, to listen to solfeggio frequencies, for example. And start to lean into that and see what happens. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's just one example. Or maybe let's say you find out, oh my gosh, actually, I'm part Native American and I always thought I was fully Irish. Start to eat what the Native Americans eat, like the, the traditional corn. Um, start to eat with the seasons of where what tribe you, you know your ancestors were from um, start to maybe you can even go visit the reservation and meet the tribe and talk to them and learn from them in person unfortunately in europe if your roots are entirely european there's a huge disconnection there's no reservations that you can go and, and mm. visit so so it makes it a little bit more challenging but it's not impossible mm. some clients of mine have you know realized oh my ancestors were more than likely pagan because of certain experiences they had with dreams and meditation and so they started to research different pagan rituals which is what we were before religion actually Mm -hmm. and paganism is completely misconstrued and misunderstood entirely um but yeah i i think there's a lot of opportunity for it if you take that seed of the dna test Mm -hmm. and you start to reflect on let's say you find out you're you're roman or italian let's say maybe you're roman you can start to you know google and research uh, what were roman ancient rituals and practices what did the romans eat start to eat like them start to try just even if it's five minutes to ten minutes a week and start to see how you feel and what develops and allow your intuition to lead you through the
2: process. Mm. Wonderful. That's very exciting. <laughs> I may do it. <laughs> Test. Um, Let me
0: know how it goes.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Maybe I'm not going to be French after all. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, like, going back to, like, you know, the modern time and and, and our situation today, um, I found that um, sometimes people ha- don't know what the issue is the, you know, like the, what they have to heal, but they feel that inside there is like emptiness or or something is missing in their life. And that might something also that your clients mentioned to you and why they come, uh, you know, um, to you. What is the, um, um, what is your response to that? How you um, address this, uh, this problem?
0: So it's really, it's a great question. It's really interesting too, because that is something that I routinely see with my clients. You know, I have a lot of clients are very successful in their careers. They've had incredible financial success. They've achieved so much outwardly. And many of them are feeling a a sense that something's missing. There's a void. And, you know, many times when we feel something's missing or we feel that void, we think it's external. So we are like, okay, maybe I need to change jobs. Maybe I need to make more money. Maybe I need to work harder. Maybe I need to get a promotion. Maybe it's my partner. Maybe I need a new house, right? Maybe I, it's everything outwardly that people turn to. And sometimes it requires us to arrive at that external achievement or milestone. And we might feel great temporarily, but sometimes what happens is they'll achieve that milestone or that goal. And within a little bit of time, that niggling feeling that something's missing, that there's a void mm. will return. Mm. And so what happens a lot of times is people just start more and more and more and more, and it can lead to burnout, can lead to a very serious um, level of anxiety, of depression, of you know, disconnection, disassociation, can lead to physical illness and dis-ease. Mm. Many things can manifest in the mind, body, and spirit. But really what's happening, that feeling that there's a void and that there's something missing is because there's a lack of connection with the inward, with the Mm -hmm. internal world, which is spiritual and emotional. And it's also physical because it's listening to what the body is saying. Why does that body have that symptom? Where Mm -hmm. is that symptom coming from? What does the body want to communicate with us? What does the body need besides the workout, besides the massage, besides all of these external things. The body needs things internally too. And um, what do we need emotionally? If if we're experiencing deep levels of grief and sadness, even though everything looks really beautiful and shiny on the outside, there's a level of grief. There's a level of grief that the body's asking to process. Grief is any sense of loss. The body's asking to really go through that sadness and to, to work through it and release it. But what happens a lot of times is because we're so busy and preoccupied with achieving, we suppress, we stuff and we push things down and stuff them down inside us, which many times is why the void and the feeling that something's missing starts to exist similar to when we feel overwhelmed too. the same thing. It's because there's something inward that's asking to be addressed and to be felt and to be heard and to, to be seen. And then when we look at the spiritual layer, many of us are lacking a connection with our soul, with our spirit. And so even if we have the most incredible physique, we're in great you know, health and where our mind is laser sharp and we've achieved so much outwardly. If we are lacking that connection with the spirit and the soul, we are out of balance and there is a level of disharmony.
3: Mm-hmm. So we
0: will 100% feel that void and like something is missing. And many times, and that's all it is, is that there's actually just this lack of irreverence and even a knowing that we have a soul and how to connect to it, how to speak to it, how to you know start to cultivate that relationship. So that's something that I routinely see with uh, friends, with family, with clients. It's that simple. It's It's complex at the same time. But through the the rituals and the work that I do, I help them remember that they're actually not a human, they're a soul. Because before our time here on this planet, we're a soul, we incarnate into a body, and we have a very temporary earthly experience in this dense, heavy human form. But after we complete our time as a human, we return to that, to being a soul. So the soul is who we are eternally. And so that, that void, that feeling that something is missing is actually an invitation at a minimum to reconnect and reclaim and reunite with the soul.
2: Hmm. Well, you know, when, while you were talking, um, it made me realize that, well, isn't it what society, our parents did ask us, you know, to do, like get a job, get them a pretty house, um, you know, sometimes some of our parents, some generation, they say, okay, how about children? Or they that's that's what we are all like, you know, um, kind of like... Um, we've, that's Program. That's what we've been told. Yes, exactly. Um, but there is no space ever to... Where is the part where I say like, oh, this is the part how to achieve that while you are connecting with your soul, when you are still true to yourself. You know, there's, uh, there is not such a thing. I mean, in many cases, although I'm sure like some families they do. Um, but yeah, I find it very interesting. So I guess the voice is like something that comes back often to into many of us because we haven't been, you know, taught to how to leave space for that. A hundred
0: percent. And you know, um one of the things that really inspires me and has me look on at life completely differently is the concept of death. I Mm. contemplate death almost every single day, which, and I'm not morbid. I'm not trying to speed up my death here or anything, but death really inspires me to look at life differently.
3: Mm.
0: And I first had this realization and epiphany and this kind of change and the way I perceive life through experiencing a very significant death in my life. I lost my grandfather, who was like a father to me in 2014. And it was a huge part of my growth and transformation or my, you know, spiritual awakening, as they say, our whole life is a spiritual awakening. Um, But there's peaks and valleys to it, right? And, you know, for me, when you talk to the dead, when you are sorry, when you talk to those that are dying on their deathbed, when you speak to those that are in hospice, and you start to ask them what they've reflected on and what they've realized, Not one of them will say, I wish I worked more. Not one of them will say, I wish I saved more money. Not one of them will say, I wish I achieved more. What they'll say is, I wish I spent more time, you know, with my loved ones. I wish I expressed my emotions more. I wish I wasn't so scared and fearful. I wish that I had more of a spiritual practice. I feel that I focused on the wrong things and my priorities were backwards. Mm. so that's why i think it's important to speak to those that are at the end of their lives and that's also indigenous you know tradition and wisdom is the reverence of the elders Mm. and not stuffing elders in a nursing home or hiding Mm. them away at home or being impatient with them or frustrated with them but actually listening to the wisdom they have to share because we can learn something from them and why wait till we're on our deathbed why not change it in the here? and in the now, and realizing that they're feeling a void and regret, and that something's missing on their deathbed. So why don't we learn from that and change that in our, our teens, our 20s, our 30s, our 40s, while we still have time, so we can, you know, arrive at the end, feeling fulfilled and feeling like, I'm ready to go. I achieved everything I wanted to in life. I'm so grateful for how everything unfolded. What's next?
3: You know, Yes. Thank you. (laughs)
2: Um, So my last question for you, and I'm very excited to hear about what you have to say, is about your daily practice. Um, So can you tell me more about it? And if you have one, if you don't, I'd like to, um, if you're okay to share.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So my approach to my daily practice is very different from probably what Many other people who do work similar to mine would 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 say or would recommend. I really believe that we're meant to follow what works for us and our own intuition. There should be no rules or no dogma, especially with your spiritual practice. This is something that's very free and very open and very unique and individual to you and what you need. Mm-hmm. And also, if you're familiar with Human Design. Um, If you're not familiar with human design, I really suggest to anyone watching this to go look up what is human design, to look up your profile, you need your birthday, your birth time and where you were born to look Mm -hmm. it up. And it's there's different energy types, right? Teach us more about ourselves. And I'm what's called a manifesting generator. So what's a manifesting generator? We are the multi hyphenates of the planet. We're meant to have our hands in many different buckets and have many different practices and many different hobbies and passions. And that's very much how I am. And so my my daily practice is a reflection of that. There's no rules. I'm quite rebellious. And I have been since birth. That's the essence of my soul. So what I have for my practice is different daily. And it's based on honoring what I need in that day just like one day you might be craving meat one day you might be craving vegetables it's listening to what your body needs what your mind needs what your soul needs but right now i'm here in cyprus which is a little small mediterranean island that i actually grew up on mm-hmm. and you know i'm honoring what i need right now in this time in cyprus so my daily practice right now is i wake up and i sit on the balcony which is overlooking this beautiful national park with stunning eucalyptus trees i sit on a rocking chair I have a tea, I light my, you know, Palo Santo, I do some deep breathing, some deep reflection and honoring whatever emotions that I'm feeling, Mm -hmm. whether that's joy, whether that's sadness, whatever it is, and understanding and reflecting where's that coming from and why I'm feeling that way. And then from there, I put on a hat and sunglasses and some trainers, and I go on a walk in nature, and I will put on music to move my body. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I'm at now. But, you know, when I'm in Singapore, for example, my daily practice is very different. It always does start with being in sunshine for 10 to 20 minutes in the morning, Mm because it's very important for the endocrine glands, our hormones, for our circadian rhythm, um, for our adrenals. It always will start with that. Sometimes it's a tea. Sometimes it's a coffee. I always have um, sacred smoke a part of it. So that could be Mm. incense. That could be burning frankincense. That could be burning Palo Santo. That could be burning a cinnamon stick, for example. So the the concept of the the elements is always a part of it.
3: Mm. I have
0: breath work always a part of it, even if it's three minutes of breath work,
3: breathing
0: as I'm lighting my, my sacred smoke, breathing deeply and consciously as I'm having my tea or coffee. And I'm connecting with the sun. I'm connecting with the earth element through looking out at nature, at the trees, that's very important to me in the morning because it grounds me, right? Mm. And so I also will have a water ritual. So I do like a, a morning cleansing ritual with water. And that's literally just my hands, my arms, um, my my mouth, my nose, my face, my crown of my head, my feet. And that's a very ancient um, Sufi and Islamic um, ritual washing, which is called wudu. And it's, it's incredible. And Every single ancient culture and even religions in modern times, they have water cleansing rituals. What is baptism, for example? Mm. Or you go, to, you go to Bali, you have all the um, the, uh, the different, you know, water temples, for yes. example, right? A, yeah. yeah it's, mm. you, you go into the Catholic church, you, you, you dab the water, you do the cross, right? Mm. It's a very big part. And water has a really divine intelligence to it and ability to purify. Mm -hmm. So I always have all of the elements. I have the fire with the, you know, burning something. I have the air with Mm -hmm. burning something. I have the air with the the smoke. I have the water with my cleansing ritual, which my cleansing ritual takes literally like one minute. It's very Mm -hmm. fast. It doesn't have to be elaborate. You can even program a cup of water with an intention for the day. Maybe you're feeling scared and you want to program your water with courage. Mm. You speak that into the water and you drink it, right? So the water element. And then, and that was so we fire, air, water, and now we're back to earth. So earth is getting in nature, moving your body, um, even looking at nature. Very important, being surrounded by plants. So you have those four elements, and if you want to tie in the fifth, which is ether, which is the soul, the spirit, it's finding what helps you remember and reclaim your soul and your spirit. So my tools and modalities are such a big range. Because it's all the different tools and modalities that I'm um, certified in, Mm. but also different ones that maybe I'm learning or dabbling in because I love to explore. And I just think that our our daily spiritual practice shouldn't be imprisoning. It Mm. should allow us to be creative and to connect with our inner child and, you know, allow us to evolve and expand and grow. Um, And I don't I don't agree with boxing us into having the same thing every single day. And a lot of people would completely disagree with me on this. And that's
2: fine to each their own. Absolutely. Wonderful. And I, you know, each time I, have, I ask this question, I have so many different answers, which I love. You know, as you say, like everybody does it in a different way. Um, but I love that um, each of my guests share. And I absolutely adore yours with the, the elements. It's um, It's so beautiful. Super.
0: Thank you. Um,
2: Thank you so much. Thank you, Christina, for joining me today. Um, and um, I really enjoyed the conversation.
0: Thank you so much for having me. It was such an honor. And I just wanted to commend you on the questions because they were so thought-provoking and deep. And they actually really challenged me as well to, you know, conceptualize things and connect dots. And I think it's, it's really a, a rare gift to be able to ask a question. So I appreciate you,
2: Stephanie. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. You can learn more about Christina on Instagram at Christina M. Rios, on Facebook at Christina Michelle Rios, and on our website www.christinamrios.com. If you didn't have time to write everything down, no worries. All the links, as well as the books and resources recommended by Christina in this episode, are listed in the description section on our YouTube channel at Ujivati. Thank you to all our listeners and see you very soon for more on healing, self-love and your personal journey. Thank you for listening
1: and for taking time for yourself. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to our podcast, share this episode with others on social media or leave a rating and a review. To catch the latest from Ujvati, follow us on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter at Ujvati. Thanks again and see you on the next episode.